0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Ultimately, you am going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day.
2: This podcast is presented by Visa, a network working for
1: everyone. And with that, I am Stephen Holder with Zach Keeper, and this is our latest episode of 1% Better. And it's going to take a lot more than that for these Colts. They need a lot more improvement right now because they are 0-3. They fell to the Tennessee Titans yesterday in Nashville. We made that long drive for a 25-16 loss. And about, I would say, about 12-15 last night, Zach, on I-65. We were sitting there wondering why. What, what was the <laughs> point, right? But <laughs> they—they're uh, in a world of hurt, man. And I'm not saying that I'm stunned that they're three and zero, or excuse me, zero and three, right? Like we—I could have painted you a scenario very easily where the Colts could be zero and three, right, before the season. Could have easily done that. Uh, they've lost to the Seahawks. They've lost to who I—the team I think is destined for the Super Bowl right now, the Rams. Which was actually their best game, which is crazy <laughs> and then they lost to I think a very good titans team so all right fine it's it's bigger than that though it's it's how they've performed it's it's how much upside we're not seeing it's a whole lot of things and i'll before I shut up i'll and throw it to you. I'll just say this, and I'll get your thoughts on it. people want like a really nice easy, neat explanation for why these things happen. What's wrong with the team? Okay. It's the injuries. It's the, it's the coaching. It's the personnel. It's the quarterback. And sometimes that's true, right? I mean, it's the human nature, we want the easy explanation. Make it make sense to me. Except this is different. It's not that. It's all of it. And that's the problem. How do you fix that? If it's one thing, you can fix it. If it's all of it, then I don't know what you do. I mean, it, I think for a team this good, it takes – that much cataclysm for it to look this bad, so I don't know. And I think that that should actually probably make you feel worse as a fan. So, do you yeah. agree? I mean, am I am I on to something?
2: Yeah. No, you are because you know I, I was just watching the tape this morning and I wrote down a bunch of things and and you can't sidestep the injuries, but you also can't sidestep the the lack of good management from the top. The the coaching hasn't been good on either side of the ball, and the best players are not playing like the best players. And you put all of that together, like you said, and and you've got an 0-3 team. It's not that they're 0-3. It's how they've gotten to 0-3. They haven't played good football at all. They've led for two minutes of these 180 minutes they've played so far. Right? I mean, they've just found ways to get in their own way over and over again. And, yes, I know T.Y.'s out. And Braden Smith hurt. And Darius is playing hurt. And Quentin left yesterday's game. And Carson was on a half a good ankle, maybe, yesterday. But the fact is, and this is what has jumped out to me, and we talked about this a lot yesterday, they don't know who they are. They don't have any defining characteristics anymore. This used to be a team that wouldn't make mistakes, that was really good in situational football, on third downs and red zone. The defense would keep you in front. They would get off the field on third down, and they would force you into field goals. Now they're letting anybody and their mother run free in the secondary and catch touchdowns. I mean, I read, watched the Chester Rogers touchdown, and that was abysmal. The Julio Jones fourth down early in the game. I mean, these guys are wide open, and that's been a constant throughout the season against Seattle, against LA, against Tennessee. So I, I see a team that's lost its way. They don't know what they are right now. And if you don't know what you are, the future doesn't look good. And they need to figure it out because they got Jacoby Brissett in the Dolphins this week, and what a lot of us figured was a for sure win. It's hard to say there's a for sure win for the Colts right now, as poorly as they have played and the poorly as they have coached. And it's a mess right now. And it's hard to find positive strands. Uh, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. Um,
2: even when this like What team, are you holding your hat on right now?
1: Right. Like nothing's really gone well. Okay. So I've heard this... From players and coaches repeatedly, right? That well, you know, 2018 we were one and five, and I get them. I don't want to hear that anymore. No, no, wait, but but right. So like, fine, I'll give it to them, right? That's true, but it's it's what I said the other week on this podcast, which is okay. But who wants that? First of all, (laughs) right? Because that's really hard to dig yourself out. But the bigger point there, the point no one ever makes, is that I knew that team had a shot, not necessarily to win ten games, but I knew that team had talent. I could see it, and they were fighting. They were scratching, they were fighting. They got some really bad breaks. They were in every game. They had a chance to win at the end. I mean, they were driving with a chance to win each of those games just about, I think, except for maybe that early Patriots game that season. So for about three of those first five losses, they could easily have been flipped with you know just one play. So that's different. That's like, okay, you haven't gotten any breaks And you're right there. This team can't get out of its own way. And that's a totally different scenario. And no one ever talks about that part. That you are not playing like that team. And the sad thing about it is, it's a lot of the same players. Largely. And those guys pulled themselves together. Those guys showed a lot of maturity. Now they're two years older. And I don't see any of that. And that's just really disappointing. I mean, this is a... It's not the oldest team in the NFL or anything, the most experienced or anything, but it's also not the youngest team anymore, because they were at one point, right? They were a really young team, and they had to kind of figure things out, and, and then maybe that had something to do with that 1-5 start. That's not this. That's not what this is. This is a team with a lot of veterans. They're young veterans, but they're veterans. They've played a lot of football, and they look like... They look like they haven't ever done this before in some cases, all right? Like, I I can't get over Ryan Tannehill breaking containment. Granted, he's an athletic quarterback, right? I get it. But, like, like freaking Lamar Jackson. Okay, what the hell? <laughs> like, what are we doing here, right? Like, Ryan Tannehill in the open field and guys are like, uh, I don't want to tackle him. You want to tackle him? Like, it's Ryan Tannehill. Tackle him. <laughs> it's like, right. What right, a, I, it was it was absolutely infuriating, and I don't even have anything invested, and I was upset. I was like, "What are these guys doing?" I mean, I get the that. play that got me. Go the play that got me
2: was the third and goal from the ten. The Colts are still in it. Mm-hmm. If they force a field goal, you like their chances to at least have a chance, right? Yep. Jerry McNevels, bless his heart, who was on the Colts practice squad at some point. I don't know how I many forgot years that he, he was, was here, until
1: you told me that during the game. I was like, that he was? Dude,
2: that dude walks in untouched. Walks in untouched. That was the play yesterday that told me where the Colts were at.
1: A checkdown.
2: That That is absolutely inexcusable football, but it does speak to just where this defense is at. They couldn't get off the field on the first drive. You know, after the Okariki sack, the second drive, they couldn't get off the field on that fourth down. They let Julio wide open. They let Chester Rogers burn Kenny Moore. I mean, think about what I just said out loud. Oh, he did. Chester Rogers burned Kenny Moore. Xavier Rhodes was lost for most of yesterday. Kari Willis has been lost in coverage several times this season. You know, for a team that contained Derrick Henry for the most part, I mean, they gave up 115. They didn't give it any huge, de- huge gains to Henry. I didn't feel like he took over the game, but... The coverage breakdowns are just unbelievable. And it went back to something Jim Irsay said Saturday night to us at his event. He said, look, I promise you all the fans out there, the questions you want answered, I'm asking Frank and Chris every Monday. I guarantee you those questions are being asked right now in their meeting between the owner, of the GM, and the head coach. But what's the answer? Because this is just a repeating, this is just repeating right now. It's the same stuff week after week, and they haven't figured it out three weeks in. And, and it's just the defense right now for me that, doesn't give me a lot of confidence moving forward that they're going to have a run like they did in 18. It, you've got Tampa Bay on the back end. You've got at Buffalo on the back end. You're not winning 9
1: of 10. Not the way you're playing right now. Yeah, I agree. So I want to tackle like some, some big issues in this game and really season-long issues as well, individually. So we'll start in this game. Obviously, all of last week, the big story – was Carson Wentz and his status. Okay. So that how did that play out? He, he had two sore ankles. He went out there, he gutted it out. He clearly was hampered. I think Frank Wright estimated that he at 70 or 80% gave them a better chance to win than whatever else they had and we'll get to that in a second. But we uh, need to get to that. <laughs> we will. I actually would argue with Frank that no, I think he was closer to like 50 or 60%. I mean, it was bad. I thought he I'm not killing Carson Wentz. I mean, I actually give him a lot of credit, man, for for putting it on the line out there. But, and I'm not even saying it was the wrong decision. I'm saying that guy didn't have much to give them. And I think what he did was the absolute, literally the absolute most he could have given them. Uh, did you have any problem with with them playing him alone? That Just taking that issue in itself? And then we can move on to what's happening behind him, which is, I don't even understand.
2: No, I, I don't. I don't have any problem with them playing him. And I and I thought the game plan was probably as good as it was going to be considering his limitations. Carson admitted after the game, it was probably as limited as he's ever been yeah. on a field. And he's played through a lot of injuries. It's an absolute glaring indictment of their quarterback situation, though. And Bob Kravitz, our colleague, wrote about this and he nailed it. It's an absolute indictment on what they think of Jacob Eason, who's the backup, but not really the backup, because Brett Hundley was the backup yesterday. And we haven't gotten a straight answer on why, but I absolutely know for a fact that Brett Hundley was the backup quarterback yesterday. And if Carson had gone down, Hundley is in and not Eason.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had as much chance of playing quarterback yesterday as Jacob Eason, which is hilarious. (laughs) Because as of Monday...
2: They had full confidence in Jacob, and if he had to go in there, he would be fine. And then that changed quickly. So they're in this position because this is the bed they made, and they need to lie in it, and it's bad, and it's messy. And I agree with the Colts that 50% of Carson Wentz is better than 100% of Brett Hundley or 100% of Jacob Eason. That's how much the gap was. This is my opinion from watching training camp every day. But there was Wentz. There was a large gap. Then there was Ellinger and Eason. And then there was a large gap, and then there was Hundley. Hundley was not impressive in camp. That's what I don't get right now. I understand that he started nine games in the NFL. He hasn't played in four years. But the fact that you were ready to go to him before Eason, who, boy, what does that tell
1: you about what the Colts think of Jacob Eason? So there are a lot of teams in the NFL that have absolutely shitty quarterback situations. I mean, Backup quarterback situations, right? That is that's a fact, and the Colts are not alone necessarily. Here's where I think there's a notable difference because let's just be honest, right? If, if people can barely find starting quarterbacks, okay, you think they're going to find a freaking good backup, right? Like th- that's just a fact in the NFL today. There's half the teams have shitty starting quarterbacks, okay? Right. So okay, it is what it is, right? It's hard to find a quarterback of any kind. Now here's where I think it's a, a criticism for the Colts. Because clearly, as you said, they don't love Jacob Eason. But here's the thing. You have a, a starting quarterback in Carson Wentz who I, I'm still a believer in that trade. I think they did the right thing. I think they did what the best they could to, to find a viable situation. However, you cannot also look at the situation and say, okay, you know what? Yeah, he's a really durable guy. Of course he's not, right? He's never been. So you knew going in, and, and you and I have both been asking this question, Publicly, privately, since the trade, really, since March, we've been asking this question. Okay, glad you got your guy. <laughs> what about the backup? Is Jacob Bees in the backup? No, we think he can do it. We we want to see more. And, you know, if he changes, if something doesn't go well, well, we'll go some other way. But everything, according to them, went according to plan. He showed growth. He did what he was asked to do in terms of leadership and the preseason, all of that, right? And so... My point is getting back to what I was initially saying about, you know, bad quarterback situations. Granted, a lot of teams have that. The difference here is the Colts had a, a well-documented history of a guy who's missed games, right? He's had his injury history is not short, okay? He's correct. had about four or five considerable injuries in the NFL. He's only in year 6, 7, right? So and the way he plays football. Yes. Correct. So given all of that, you decide to go with Jacob Beeson, who you apparently think nothing of, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, when Andrew Luck was the backup, you had freaking Matt Hasselbeck, okay? And God help me, I'm giving Ryan Grigson credit here, right? No, absolutely. That was actually that was actually one of his better moves, to Get Matt Hasselbeck. And Hasselbeck Matt Hasselbeck saved his ass, okay?
2: Yeah, and, and, and I've seen some criticism for Chris Ballard of the way he's handled the quarterback situation. In his five years, now I don't agree with that. Right, Luck retires in '19, and you've got a really good backup to step in in Jacoby Brissett. Now is Jacoby a starter? I don't believe he is, but he's as good as it gets in terms of backup quarterbacks. They paid Jacoby, and and that paid off for them. They had a chance that year to be a can you know good whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. We don't need to relitigate that. Or a viable last year, team. you go find Rivers. Yeah. You go find Rivers with because you don't really have any other better options. I was fine with that. Rivers was good. For a 38-year-old guy, you win 11 games, and you're in the playoffs with a chance. This is the this is the decision I don't understand, and this is the decision that really puts them in a really bad spot. Because as Bob wrote, you don't like Jacob Eason or Brett Hundley enough to go to them, so you're going to play your franchise quarterback who's here for $102 million over the four years, and you're going to play him on two ankles that le- probably leaves him about 50%. And that's not just going to limit Carson. That's going to limit the game plan. That's going to limit the receivers. I mean, you're playing with two hands tied behind, behind your back.
1: The fact Quentin that they didn't out, lose by three touchdowns is kind of admirable. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, I, stupidly, but it, it almost as, is. It, yeah.
2: you, you don't want to hurt your team's chances at winning, but it seems like that's exactly what this did, and in a lot of different ways. And Frank, Frank's going to have to answer this sooner or later you know, why Brett Hundley was the backup, why Jacob Eason is suddenly not the backup. I'm not
1: letting it go. I, I, and I, we, can't, we can't let it go because, number one, he's still not healthy. Okay, Carson, he's, he, you think his ankles feel better today? <laughs> he's still not healthy. And let's just be honest, they got 14 freaking games left. I mean, who's to say right. he doesn't miss another game, right? And he's not vaccinated. I don't have to tell you what that means. That, that's a like a huge part of this too, a huge part of this. You got an unvaccinated this, quarterback. Though. Right, And And your backup is a guy who you're scared to death to play. Exactly. You nailed it. And
2: not only that, Jim Irsay has mentioned that as well. We talked to him Mm -hmm. Saturday night, and he said, you know, I don't know how dependable you are if you're unvaccinated. But um, it it just speaks to how muddy this quarterback situation is. And and for those curious, this is my take, and I want yours as well. No, Brett Hundley playing yesterday would not have given them a better chance to win. I really do believe Wentz at whatever the hell – state he was at now I know Wentz missed throws and the one I just watched on tape was the one to Pittman in the end zone that might have changed the game he missed that that's on Wentz Wentz didn't get the ball out as quickly as you'd like to see he did on some plays but he held on to it on others believe me Hunley was not going to lead the Colts to victory to yesterday it just wasn't going to happen based on everything I've seen in the preseason and training camp there was an enormous gap and I think there would have been some interceptions and some turnovers and I just I felt like Wentz at fifty percent was their best chance to win yesterday. That's my opinion from from watching every day at camp.
1: Yeah, I, I think Carson, even in his limited state yesterday, still avoided turnovers, and I got to give him credit for that. I mean, and you talked about the missed throw to Pittman, right? And I know, I know you know this, so I'm not objecting to what you said because we talked about this yesterday. He can't really. He can't really step into his throws right now, right? So what does that do? If you know anything about quarterback play, that impacts your accuracy, right? I mean, we got to know Tom House a little bit through Andrew Luck's, you know, saga, you know, the the throwing expert, you know, the preeminent throwing expert. And what was his whole mission with Andrew Luck? And he actually worked with Jacoby Brissett as well. His whole mission was below the waist. Yes. He was working on the lower body mechanics, right? The point being. That impacts your accuracy. The, the lower body mechanics dictate where the ball is going to go. You know, I, I think wasn't it um, Peyton Manning? Right? We were talking about this too. Peyton Manning on the Monday Night broadcast was talking about how Aaron Rodgers can can make throws without his lower body being in sync, right? Because he's a freak. Yeah, but M- most guys can't do that, right? And Peyton was talking about how if I didn't have my footwork exactly right that ball was going to squirt a different way. And I think that's true for most quarterbacks. I mean, there is only one Andrew, excuse me, one um, Aaron Rodgers. So anyway, I'm getting off the subject. The point is, I I think, yes, he he was going to be really limited in his accuracy, uh, certain throws that he wasn't going to be able to make. Uh, They didn't really stretch the field because um, two things. Number one, the the protection's got to hold up and – you know, you put your quarterback maybe in a position where he has to elude pressure. And then, obviously, let's just be honest, he can't step into the throw and get it down the field. So, you I mean, you have this, like, you're playing this high school offense, you know, effectively, you know. And and yet, as you said, <laughs> it was still a better option, which is absolutely just an incredible indictment of their but quarterback I got a good situation. segue for us here.
2: Okay, so you just set the table. Wentz is limited. He's missing throws. He's playing through it. Do you have a good running back back there? No. Do you have two good running backs back there who both popped yesterday? I mean, Taylor looked great at times in the first half. I don't need to tell you what Naheem Hines did. Taylor didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter. They got away from the pass. Excuse me. They got away from the run. And remember when Hines got them down into the red zone and you hated the three successive play calls. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that is what this team has been doing all year. And it's not just the red zone football, but they'll find a way to claw back in the game and they'll find a way to claw back out of it. And a lot of it has to do with the play calls, but they've just left me scratching my head a lot. Like we started to see Jonathan Taylor yesterday, like the real Jonathan Taylor, running over guys, that first pancake block that Nelson had up the left side. That was the biggest run we've seen from Taylor all year.
1: Yeah, the 23 yards. Nice
2: ones in the third quarter. There was a really nice play design where Taylor essentially lined up at fullback and, and got six yards on that third and one, but he disappeared late. And this wasn't a situation where you were down multiple scores at that point where you had to throw it. And you just mentioned for 15 minutes, the limitations that Carson had, I don't get it. And I don't know maybe the more frustrating thing is we're not going to get a straight answer. Cause yesterday we asked about this, like, believe me, we have asked these questions and we kind of get the run around about, we're trying to mix up the pass and the run and doing what's best for the game. And, and that, but with Carson as limited as he was, why didn't you lean on your bell cow running back, Jonathan Taylor, who had fourteen hundred freaking yards last year, to carry you? I remember tweeting like you need to go completely at Kansas City in two thousand nineteen right now, and just run the ball until the Titans prove that they that they can stop you, and they didn't do anything close to that. And that's what I just I'm just dumbfounded by yeah. today.
1: Well, all right. So to your point, now this drive did end. This drive I'm about to talk about did end in a field goal from re- from Blankenship, 24 uh, yard field goals. But they got they got the ball with 12:56 to go. It's 22:13, so they're down they're two, they're down two scores. They're down nine. Uh, not a great situation, but you got 12:56 left. You basically got the entire fourth quarter. Okay, first down, deep pass. They get 27 yards to Pascal. That was yeah, that was. Maybe their biggest play. Yeah, I think it had to be. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah, all right. So to, good. Yeah, yeah. Good job there. Then incomplete. Incomplete. You know, they get a penalty on the defense, so they get they get a little bit of a break there. Uh Another pass. Another pass. You know, th- they don't run it until like the seventh play of the drive. And I-, I just wonder. Here's the thing. I mean, I'm not saying that all those passes were unsuccessful or that they weren't able to move the ball. They obviously did. They got to the five yard line. Here's my thing though. Uh, you have a home run hitter in Jonathan Taylor. Okay, now um, the Titans are decent up front on defense, but not not overwhelming. This is not the Rams, all right. Simmons is a great player, and he, yeah. he's a guy you you definitely have to find and you definitely have to have to win against. But I mean. If you give Jonathan Taylor enough chances, that's the thing. I mean, he's not one of these three cloud, three yards in a cloud of dust type of guys, right? He is a different kind of runner, the kind of guy who can hit a big play. I know a lot of the, I know a lot of the analytics types are are down on the, on running the football, and I understand that. Like, I don't have a problem with that. I get it. Like, you have more, you have more chance of a big play throwing the football than running the football, right? That's just like simple, just obvious common sense, right? But. A lot of things have to happen, right, for that, for that to happen. And with Jonathan Taylor, if you hit it just right and you give him that crease, I mean, he can turn that four-yard run into 40. We've seen him do it. But he can't do it with just 10 carries. And so, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess that Frank Reich's explanation for that was, look, I mean, they had some new looks. I think maybe Carson might have said this too, I think. Yeah,
2: Naheem as well. Yeah,
1: they had some new looks on defense that they showed them that they they weren't used to or hadn't seen before. And that's, that's not typical against the Titans because they're a team, they play a lot. So they're very familiar with them. So they saw some unfamiliar things. They had to check out of some run plays to pass plays. But at the same time, 10 runs, I don't know if that explains all of that. You know what I mean? Dude was averaging 6.4 yards a carry. Yeah,
2: And you know what Taylor does? He gets you in 3rd and 2 as opposed to 3rd and 9. Right. 3rd and 9. And you don't have a quarterback and you don't have a protection that's good enough to consistently convert 3rd and 9s, right? You don't have the tackles on the edge. Fisher did not play well yesterday. Carson was sacked. Carson can't stand up because his ankles are uh, beaten to hell from the previous week you're not really built to convert third and nines right now. So why put yourself in a position for third and nines? And it just, the passing game wasn't something you could consistently lean on throughout the day. And I felt like Heinz, the biggest play of the day was not actually the Pascal one. It was the Heinz, um, catch and run that you uh, for yes. 37 yards. Yes. So, um, but yeah, 6.4 yards per carry for Jonathan Taylor. Didn't touch the ball. Didn't get a carry in the fourth quarter. I know they're down. I know they're down double digits, but doesn't make sense to me. You can score twice in the fourth quarter. You've done it before. They got away from it, and it's another Monday morning where we're just asking questions because we don't understand the approach in the execution.
0: Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers a screwdriver and even a corkscrew with the victorinox swiss army knife you can be prepared to master everyday life you can find victorinox swiss army knives at dick sporting goods looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 u.s based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Okay, so now we've we've covered, kind of covered the injuries. We've kind of covered, you know, the play calling, decision making. I think the other thing we've got to talk about is, honestly, the, the defense is just, here's the thing. I know people often, at least, this, maybe this is a Twitter thing, but I, I often hear from people who say, you know, uh, defense, eh, it's overrated. And all that. Maybe, I don't know. But I can tell you this. The people who are smarter than me and have a lot of these these analytic measurements, you know, we're talking about DVOA, we're talking about expected points, we're talking about you know measurements like that that measure efficiency, and th- all of this is in my story today on the athletic and give you a good example of why we projected and and we've had this conversation, Zach, why we projected this defense to be pretty good, right? I don't yeah. I don't know. If, they didn't know that they were going to be world beaters, but I thought, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm not worried about the defense. I I got to see the quarterback. I'm talking preseason, right? That was, my, that was my point of view. All right, you know what? This defense, they got Buckner, Leonard, those guys, Kenny Moore. I don't worry about those guys. You sleep fine with those guys playing defense. It's just a matter of how good they can be. And now the question is, oh, my God, they're so bad. What happened? And I, I will tell you what, what I am most – surprised by with this defense. It's not that they have maybe given up too many yards, because it's not even that. It's it's not yards. It's not like big gains necessarily. It's not even that. It's just they seem completely disinterested. Huh. Like, they're just lollygagging. It's mystifying. I am like completely confounded, because the one thing they have always done is play with intensity on defense. They might screw up. They might miss a tackle. Whatever, but they play with intensity. There's zero intensity on defense, and I have I do not understand it. I cannot explain it. Uh, I mean, what do you see? Are you seeing that? Is that what you're seeing? You nailed it. I, I wrote down some defining
2: characteristics of what I thought the Colts were before the season. Mm-hmm. And one of them, we talked about this a lot the last couple of weeks, is they run to the ball. Sometimes you see three, four, five guys make a tackle on yeah, defense. how it should be. And they run to the ball again, and they run to the ball again, and they hustle. And they're going to give up catches. They're going to give up high completion percentages. But they're going to hustle, and they're going to wear you down. And I really feel like they have fed off that in the last couple years. They've lost that this year. They've lost those characteristics. Darius is playing hurt, and he's slow. You noticed this on the interception that he had Mm -hmm. yesterday. He he got chased down by a lineman. And usually Darius has got the speed to get to the edge and go. And he didn't there. And Kenny Moore was beat by Chester Rogers. And Kari Willis seems lost sometimes. And I wrote this down. It looks so easy for the offense sometimes. It looks so easy. That's a really that's a great bad insult it. to a defense, to Matt Iberfliss' unit. But that's the reality. And I'll eat it because I was wrong on the defense. Three games in, I was wrong. I thought they were going to take the next step. Mm-hmm. But I did always couch that opinion with one thing, the edge rush. And I said, if the edge rush is good, they lost Autry, they lost Houston, they missed those guys. Let's be real. Pay left the game yesterday. He hasn't been a huge factor three games in. He's a first-round pick. You know, Muhammad has made plays. Bandegu has been in there a lot. Okariki had the sack yesterday. But they're trying and they're having to fabricate rush. They're blitzing more than they ever have, and I think that's a reflection of Matt Iberflis saying, we don't have the edge rush we need. We can't win the one-on-one rep on the edge. No defense in this league is going to be consistently good without a good edge rush. The Colts don't have it. And and, and Tannehill had time to throw yesterday. Stafford had time to throw the week before. Russell Wilson had all day to throw in week one. That's a problem. That's going to put more pressure on the secondary. And this is something Julian Blackman mentioned to me last week. He's like, look, if you don't get home on that blitz, then they're going to carve you up. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Everybody's good enough in this league to do it. And I just felt like Tannehill had too much time again yesterday to do it. But like you said, they don't look like themselves on defense. And that has got to be the most concerning thing moving forward. You think the offensive line is going to get it figured out when they get Braden back and Fisher settles in, right? You think Carson's going to start to play well when they give him time and he's got you know, time to, to get to his options in the offense. The defense, I don't know if they have an excuse right now, but they are just not themselves.
1: You know, the Darius Leonard situation is its real, right? I mean, as you pointed out, I mean <laughs> – I don't know if he could beat me in a foot race right now, okay? Which is not a compliment to me. <laughs> okay. Right. So, you know, look, I mean, he's he's in a bad situation. Now, whether they have to make a decision at some point, I'm not taking that off the table. I mean, whether he makes it or they make it, I, I'm not saying right now. He still he had an interception yesterday. He's he can still make some plays, but Yeah, but he, it's, his speed. He's hurting them in some areas, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because what you need is at that position, you're counting on a guy to have range. You're counting on a guy to be able to play sideline to sideline and make every play within a, a particular region of the field, right? And he he can't do that. You know, I mean, look at as you talked about, the McNichols touchdown. He's the closest guy. And I mean, he's laboring to get over there and to try to knock this guy out of bounds. He can't get there. He just can't. Uh, and I mean, it's I don't have a solution, but it, it's it's bad. And I, I just I wonder, you know, people have talked about Anthony Walker. I get why Anthony moved on. I get why they didn't resign him. I, I understand that, right? But at the same time, part of me wonders, man, if he was here, maybe you could sit Darius a couple of weeks. You know, hmm. maybe you could. I thought of that. Maybe you could sit him and say, dude, you got to heal up and and treat that thing and see if we can get you right for the stretch run. Because right now, I mean, I mean, you could pretty much play anybody there. I don't know that the production is going to be different because he's not the same guy. He's, he can't be special right now, right? So, I don't know. And, and I think what, the reason I brought up Darius is also this. Because when you're not producing like you normally are, you're not having those game-changing plays like you normally do, it's a little harder to have the same juice, to borrow Frank Reich's favorite term, right? It's a little harder to bring that juice When you're getting beat by tight ends like a drum, you know what I mean? So it's tough. And I I think that impacts some of the intensity I was just talking about, the lack of it on defense, because who do they lean on for that? It's him. Yeah, Yeah, he's the
2: heartbeat of the defense. Another thing I I forgot to mention a second ago is, you know, one guy that has more pressure on him than ever is Buckner in the middle. We haven't really seen a lot of splash plays from Buckner. Now, we've seen a couple – but every time I watch 99, I'm seeing two or three guys in his face. A lot because of they are not having to deal with the edge rush like they have in the past. And that you, you're covering up the three tech. And I get that. And if you're the offensive line, which guy scares you? He starts with Buckner for sure. Yep. And the edge rush isn't getting it done. They're going all in on Buckner. And you're just not getting pressure on quarterbacks. And you, you we've, we've watched this movie before, man. You cannot win in this league unless you get after the quarterback. They haven't had a guy that can do it consistently consistently from the edge rush position since Robert Mathis. And it's that's been going on seven years now. And and you think Pay will get there. And, of course, Urse mentioned Deo on Saturday night. Like, Deo's going to come in and <laughs> save the season. <laughs> he's a
1: fan. It's, it's, he's always hoping.
2: <laughs> it's not going to happen. But he is on the practice field, not practicing, but he's been around the team a little bit more. Getting there. You know, maybe we see him start to practice in October, but – Deo's not going to like save the season. I mean, let's be real.
1: Right. I mean, if that's where you are, then maybe yeah. you should be playing for a draft pick at this point. So uh, one thing I want to say here is, you know, you just leads me to another point when you talked about Buck, Buckner, excuse me, uh, you have a lot of these big time three techniques in this league. You know, we saw one last week in Aaron Donald, who I think might be my favorite player now. Um, and, you know, guys like Hakeem Hicks in Chicago, et cetera, Fletcher Cox, or whatever. The, the best of those guys, the, when they're most effective, they have a tandem rusher on the outside. So you look at the Rams, and Aaron Donald is, I think, you know, maybe one of the three best players in the NFL right now. I don't think there's any question. Quentin Nelson thinks he's the best player in the NFL, and I'm not about yeah. to argue with Quentin. Now... Yeah. People talk all day long about Aaron Donald. What they never talk about is, you know what? He's got other guys on that defensive line. Leonard Floyd's a very good player. They have guys on that line who can win outside of Aaron Donald. Granted, he attracts a lot of attention. They get one-on-ones. But that happens here, too. They get one-on-ones. They don't win. Okay? They don't win. And I think this goes back to what I said at the top of the podcast, right? This This whole breakdown, this entire, you know, just catastrophe of this team right now is not the result of one thing it's everybody's got their fingerprints on it and so it's performance and it's also roster management and so chris ballard i understand why he made the decision he made to part with those veteran defensive ends i am not suggesting he should have paid justin houston a bunch of money as a 32 year old pass rusher of course not right however he was banking on his young guys and part of this calculation was all right these guys are going to be coming out of contract soon and we don't know if they can freaking play I mean I understand that right like Tyquan Lewis is going to be a free agent I don't know if he's worthy of resigning I have no idea right they need they need to see more same with Ture etc so all right he doubled down on those guys I don't hate it but you got to be right and right now it doesn't look like they're right and I think that's that's a problem yeah exactly.
2: And you're going to have to live with that. You bet on the young guys. The young guys aren't getting it done. We saw a nice rush from Toure yesterday, but that's one play in three games. And he's been hurt. And Pay got hurt yesterday with that hamstring that kept him out of practice a little bit. Yeah. And Grover Stewart hasn't been as consistent been as he was last year. And that yeah. hurts as well. And it's it's just it's the reality of where you're at. And if that offensive, if that defensive line isn't the engine behind the defense, which they always say it needs to be, you're just putting more pressure on the linebackers, one of which is hurt and more pressure on the saf- the safeties and the secondary. And I mean, I, I wasn't convinced Xavier Rhodes played yesterday is as is- open as his guys were. And Kenny Moore got beat early by Chester Rogers. Kenny came back and made some plays later, but it's hard to find a silver lining in the defense besides the fact that they're playing hurt. Cause it just hasn't been an inspiring group and frankly just disappointed with the way Matt Eberfliss has, 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 has his
1: guys playing. I know. That's the one thing. Look, we have debated a lot over the last few years about scheme, right? A lot of right. fans have been like, I don't like the scheme. And that's totally, that's a totally reasonable position. That's fine. Uh, and, and that's something like very specific and tangible that we can debate. Okay. Here's why it works. Here's why it doesn't work. The one thing he always, always, always did was these guys were ready to play and they played with intensity. And, you know, I thought, uh, I thought that there was just a lack of just give a shit to be completely honest, man. I hate to say it, but like, I mean, don't you, as fans out there, don't
2: you feel that? I I
1: feel it. I was there. And I just, when you see these guys
2: walking to the end zone, untouched, like no one around them in five yards, like doesn't that seem like what it is.
1: Yeah. And I, I mentioned this to, to you yesterday. I think, um, I did our football show podcast last week with Robert Mays, who's, Really smart football guy. He, he watches the tape. Robert's great about that. And he, he told me when he was doing his training camp tour around the league during the preseason and talking to people about, you know, just philosophy, you know, football philosophy and that kind of thing. He said he was talking to a to an offensive coordinator. I, I don't remember who it was. He didn't name him on the podcast. The point is, he said, you know, tell me some of the defenses. Uh, excuse me. It was a defensive coordinator. He said, Tell me some of the defenses you watched in the offseason and learned from. He specifically pointed to the Colts because he said, you know what? They get those guys to play so fast. Effort. They play with their hair on fire. And I was like, dude, that is so right. And he was making the point like that's their calling card. And you don't see it right now. You don't see it. And I just think that is a – I don't know how you fix that. I I don't know how you fix that. I don't know how it happened. So I sure as hell don't know how to fix it. But if it doesn't happen, they ain't going to get better. They got to do that. That is what they are built on. So, all right. So you got a team that (laughs) got a hurt quarterback, can't execute on offense. Uh, Play calling has been questionable. (laughs) They don't have a backup quarterback. Their defense is playing lazy. The best player on defense, or the the biggest playmaker at least, Darius Leonard, he can't run. So other than that, your team is great, folks. Enjoy it. who do they have this week in Miami? How about this? Mm -hmm. Their old friend, Jacoby Brissett. Now, this is going to be on Chris Ballard's tombstone if they lose this game. (laughs) Okay, Here lies the man (laughs) that lost to Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins. I, love I, Jacoby, I will say this I'm, not, can't I'm lose not this game. The,
2: I'm not pushing the panic button
1: I'm not <laughs> I'm
2: I'm not saying the season is lost because it's not it's not just that it's seventeen games it's that you played three good teams and you haven't played well and you're hurt I can see that silver lining from an objective sober point of view however throw that out the window if you lose Sunday in Miami to the Dolphins and Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. then it's time for then it's time for a whole different discussion, a whole different conversation, because that's absolutely inexcusable, and it's an indictment on so many decisions they've made. And then it's time to really start to think about whether this season is just a lost year. I mean, what does seven and ten do for you? You think Jim Irsay is in this business to go seven and ten?
1: No, I mean he said that team he that, said that Saturday night, right? He's like, "Yeah, I'm in the business of winning football games." <laughs> and well, well
2: you're—he's not doing that. There's five teams in the league that haven't won, and yours is one of them, Jim. And um, you know, you guys, this is what your story started out with. I remember day one of camp, Buckner saying, "I think we have the ingredients to to be in the Super Bowl conversation." And yep. it, it wasn't that outlandish. Now they weren't one of the favorites, but it yeah.
1: was. And 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 to be you fair, know, like. The if question was right. posed to him. And he didn't bring it up, but he sure as right. hell didn't shy away from it. Right. And, boy, they don't look anything like that right now. Yeah. No, can't even picture it. So, it's interesting. Um, I, I think here's here's what you have to do at this point if you're a Colts fan, in my estimation, right? Like, granted, there are 14 games left. I was mean, on the field before the game yesterday. Chris Ballard and I were chatting and he said, look, you know, we got a long way to go. I mean, he's like, we got a long way to go. He's like, I'm not tripping about this. And I'm like, well, good for you, buddy. But (laughs) here's the thing. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. No, he's not. However, it's like I said earlier about the one in five start. You saw the traits. You know, Frank Wright kept preaching the same message. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm buying what he's selling because I see it. But if I don't see it, you don't buy it. You're not going to buy it on faith. You know what I'm saying? You got to see it, We watch the same tape. They do. Yeah. And so that's my my concern. If if I'm a Colts fan, I'm looking at this like, all right, there are a lot of talented guys on this team. None of them are playing well. That's another thing. Yeah. Their best players are not playing well. I mean – the, the idea that this team is on par with with some of these other winless teams is a joke. Those those teams are a joke. They're literally a freaking joke. This the team Lions, has a lot the of Jaguars, talent. The Jets, come on, those teams shouldn't suck. Be in that category. Their right? coaches, their coaching has sucked. In some cases, they got new coaches. We'll see, but their their front offices have sucked. Their coaching has sucked. Their talent sucks. Those teams are terrible. All right, that is not what this is. And, and I think that's the most appalling thing about it. That's the most appalling thing about it in my view. So as I was just going to say, just to put a point on this, if you're a Colts fan, I'm looking at this, I'm like, all right, what's the best case scenario now, right? You guys, you have to reset expectations now, okay? That whole division winning conversation, like it could happen, but like, I mean, you putting money on that? So, I don't know. I think you have to reset expectations. And one, a couple things need to happen now. They need to find out what they have in Carson Wentz because they don't freaking know because they haven't right. been able to help him enough. That's one. And, and then they just, they got to see what they're made of and they got to figure out who deserves to be on this freaking football team next year. That's the other thing here. All right? You better yeah. play your ass off if you're going to be a free agent on this team. You better play your ass off because if I'm Chris Ballard, I mean, you're making me look like a Freaking idiot. And yeah. and I'm going to – if I'm him, I'm going to rip some asses in this offseason. You have to. You have to. you got to replace some yeah. guys if got, this doesn't got, change. You, pay, you paid a bunch of guys. and
2: Yeah, the last thing, and, and I'll leave you with this, is if you want a glass half full take, here it is. I still am really excited to see what Carson Wentz can do yeah. given the chance. And I want two good ankles for Carson for starters. I want an offensive line that gives him time. And I want a play sheet that – caters to his strengths now Carson needs to get rid of the ball quicker there was a couple plays yesterday where I was like get the football out but overwhelmingly that has not been the issue here we can go on and on about the issues the fans out there are smart enough to know what's going on and and that I think could be a saving grace late in the season this guy could play really good football for this team this year I really believe that he hasn't been given the chance for a variety of reasons so far it's three games in but that, I think, is to answer your question. That, I think, is one of the biggest outliers left to answer yeah. is what do you have in Carson Wentz? We haven't seen it a month in. I have no idea what the final record will be. But if you start to see something in Carson Wentz, that will give you hope for the future. But at this point, you know, when are we going to see that? Like, I mean, this ankle thing is not going to be magically healed for Sunday. Mm-hmm. There's always the chance of reaggravation. They've got Baltimore on Monday night. The following week, they've got San Francisco in a couple of weeks. This is going to be interesting, but, but that's what I want to see more than anything is, you know, how long are we going to have to wait to see the real Carson Wentz play at his best? Because, you know, that's what this season was always going to be about.
1: Yep. Yeah. And it wasn't supposed to be the singular goal of this season, but it definitely is turning into <laughs> the biggest goal of this season well. Do we have a quarterback and then we'll figure out the rest. Uh, so anyway, that's the lesson. You're probably frustrated as hell if you're a Colts fan but but this is kind of why you do it right it's it's the unknown it's always like where is it going to go right what's going to happen how is it going to go according to plan sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't it, but it's the Colts of course it's not going to go according to plan <laughs> you lo- you know you love it that's why you come back for more. <laughs> you guys are, your are So, you know, good luck with that. But hey, listen, we'll do what we can to kind of help you through it and, and navigate all this. And we'll be here next week and see what happens um, down in Miami. So, with that, uh, we'll wrap this up. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. And uh, this is 1% Better. Stay tuned this week. We'll have more coverage. Uh, we will set up next week's game maybe we talk to Jacoby I don't know but uh, I'll let you do that Zach um, <laughs> <laughs> my old buddy <laughs> you're right you guys are good friends So, anyway thanks for listening guys I'm Stephen Holder Zach Keeper I'm Simba